It's Dr. Ron Kaiser, and you know I'm all about wellness and all about prevention. And with that in mind, I'm happy to welcome the sponsor of this podcast, NutriSense. Do you know that your blood sugar levels can significantly impact upon how your body feels and functions? The NutriSense program lets you analyze in real time how your glucose levels respond to food, exercise, stress, and sleep. Here's how it works. You wear a continuous glucose monitor that's called a biosensor, and you have an app on your phone, the NutriSense app that helps you to scan your glucose levels, visualize data, log meals, run experiments, and much more. And then on top of that, you get expert dietitian guidance. Now, there are significant benefits from knowing your glucose level, and that can include weight loss if that's desired, stable energy throughout the day, better sleep, and understanding which foods are good for you. I personally have used the NutriSense system, and I learned how making a few tweaks in the way that I eat has helped me to be more energetic and productive throughout the day, and especially to avoid that early afternoon slump that I know some of you share. So, what I strongly encourage you to do is go to NutriSense.io slash goal, G-O-A-L, and that's a special code for listeners to this program. You'll be able to both learn about the various subscription plans that NutriSense has, and it also enables you to enroll for one. And as a special gift to our listeners, if you use that sign-up code, you will get $30 off of a subscription plan, as well as a month of free dietitian support. So that's NutriSense, N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E dot I-O slash goal, G-O-A-L. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you do life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, and also keynote and TEDx speaker. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all kinds of information regarding wellness, rejuvenating, positive psychology, and my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology. It's also the place where you can communicate with me and uh, even suggest guests for future podcasts. So that's thementalhealthgym.com. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is always to bring you speakers who uh, and presenters who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have various ways of helping us to be the healthiest and best versions of ourselves. And 
We have a broad range of guests, and we're going to be enlightened today by somebody in an area that I don't think we've spoken about very much on this show. We've done it peripherally, but Dr. Gerald Feisch is both an MD and and Master of Public Health. He has a 20-year career in epidemiology as a commissioned officer of the U.S. Public Health Service and served at the CDC, the FDA, and the state of Rhode Island. Following this, over 20 years and was spent in senior positions in contract research and consulting to clinical trials and pharmaceutical risks. And I thought he would be very appropriate to talk on the topic of dietary supplements, concerns and benefits. I know many of us are wrestling with the information, misinformation, over-information, conflicting information in the whole area. So I'm really uh, proud and glad that we could have Dr. Feisch with us. Jerry, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Really looking forward to our conversation. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And I'm happy to talk about dietary supplements. Great. Well, we're looking forward to it. But before we even get into that, as I indicated in the introduction, you're, you haven't had, say, the most typical medical career uh, in terms of opening an office or working in a group practice and then continuing. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey and why you happen to focus in this, this area of pharmaceuticals, supplements, drug safety, and so on? Well, I have to say I have a mathematical background, which goes, which speaks something to why I'm interested and got interested in epidemiology, which is a quantitative, largely quantitative uh, science. I wasn't, uh, as a teenager and what have you, I, I wasn't dreaming of being a doctor. Uh, I kind of, uh, if, you, if you'll allow me, stumbled into it. Uh, I had to do something to use my brain and maybe even make a living. I trained uh, both at University of Wisconsin and at Harvard. And in the process, I uh, uh, did indeed get certified in internal medicine. Along the way, mixed in with what uh, what I've done over most of my career is I've also laid hands on patients. I've worked uh, often night shifts, would do public health during the day, and then take care of patients in an emergency room at night. I did that for over 20 years, so I'm not unfamiliar with the hands-on practice of medicine, but it is true, as you've just pointed out, I've never really had a traditional on-the-corner, full-time clinical practice. My main focus has been on public health. I got into that, again, sort of just by chance, and as soon as I, uh, and I have to say, uh, some of this, some of what I did was uh, to be a commissioned officer in lieu of going into the military. And indeed, I retired with the rank of colonel. Uh, so along the way, I truly became enamored with public health and its importance. I came enamored with and excited about the practice of epidemiology. And that is not a skin, that is not the study of skin. It is the study of diseases in populations. And it turns out 
so I've uh, ran, ran a health department and did vaccination programs and a variety of preventive measures, studied uh, the epidemiology of, for example, of diabetes, who gets it, what are the complications, what are we doing to uh, provide care and the like. Uh, and then as a consequence of that, and as a consequence of being at FDA, I really became focused on how drugs, pharmaceuticals, are developed. And in particular, uh, most people at FDA are, are in the process of approving new drugs. I was in the process of examining the safety of new drugs, uh, which is the other side of the coin. That is, pharmaceuticals, and we can talk about dietary supplements as well, have benefits and they have risks. No, nothing is absolute. It's all safe or it's all poison. There's a famous adage in medicine, and that is that all drugs, and I would say pharmaceuticals, I would say biologics, and I would say dietary supplements, have both benefits and risks. And it's a matter of balancing the two. So I guess in the simplest terms, the way one balances the risk, whether you're a physician, a prescribing a drug or a regulator, allowing a drug to come on the market, or a patient using dietary supplements, is to know something about what it is, how it works, what's in the bottle, what are the benefits, or the benefits I would hope to have, and what are the potential risks. And, and when we talk about risk, that's a, actually a mathematical thing. So it circles me back. Uh, I've had a wonderful career. I've applied epidemiology to standard public health. I've worked in jungle medicine overseas, running a clinic and fighting malaria and malnutrition. And then I've gone to the other side of that way over into uh, doing clinical trials in the United States. Uh, but the underlying notion here is, I, I guess I'll say knowledge is power. Knowledge is important. And the question is, how much do we know about benefits? How much do we know about risks? And so that's kind of my career. Uh, it continues on. I, uh, I, I'd also say I've been a teacher through much of this. Uh, usually teaching doctors and in some cases teaching pharmaceutical scientists about what FDA is all about. But that's a topic for another day. Yeah, well, it sounds like a really fascinating journey. And now let's see what uh, what advice you give. So I, I have to tell you from my own experience, uh, just in terms of I've had several primary physicians during my adulthood, ranging from uh, some who, I guess, mostly were indifferent. They knew I took a few supplements and it was kind of accepted. Others who actually felt that that it was a really good thing. And I know there was at least one who was who basically said, you know, you eat a normal diet, you don't need anything like this. To to the extent that where if I came in with a with some kind of symptom, was stomach distress or whatever, you know, the first thing he said, maybe it's related to the supplements you're taking. So I know that there's a kind of a range of opinions in this regard. But is there a, 
a general guideline or, or a general level of thinking in the field because uh, you know we're looking to you guys for for advice on this. Oh, let me uh, allow me just just sort of paint a broader picture for a moment, and then we'll talk about your doctor and your supplements. The first thing to say is, what is a dietary supplement to begin with? How does it differ from a regular prescription drug uh, and the things that FDA deals with? And the answer to that is just built into the words dietary and supplement. It sounds like something you add to your diet, and it is, and I have to emphasize this, not very regulated by any government agency at all, except maybe the the, uh, Federal Trade Commission, which, of course, monitors advertising and fraud. So it's pretty close. Also, the other thing I'd say about dietary supplements, so one, they're not regulated. There's nobody, there's nobody making the rules about it. They're exempt from FDA supervision unless they're found to be highly toxic and people are really suffering, perhaps even dying of them, in which case FDA does have the authority to take them off, a particular product off the market. If any of us walks into a CVS or a Rite Aid, you will now find an aisle easily 40 feet long of dietary supplements. That's vitamins, herbs, botanicals, elements like zinc and calcium. And each bottle will be uh, different from the next. You'll find a dozen different preparations of calcium, some with vitamin D and others without. And if you pick up the bottle, by the way, in that aisle, you'll almost invariably see on a chain a a magnifying glass, which is kind of amusing to me because nobody can read the fine print, especially us seniors, you know, taking your glasses on and off and trying to say, what's what is this bottle? So you're not going to get much information from the bottle, frankly, from what's on the bottle. That's called labeling, by the way. But I can tell you that there is a one regulation here that does apply, and it was the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906, which said, you have to tell us what's in the bottle, and you have to put that in your label. Before that, it was all snake oil. A lot of the stuff that's was used before 1906 and after, I'm afraid to say, uh, hasn't been of proven value or of proven purity. I will say I have a really true understanding of what the one value is of dietary supplements. And that is, it's easily accessible. You don't have to go to the doctor to get a prescription. It's cheaper in many cases than a prescription drug. And lastly, I would say it offers hope. There's one other distinction that's important. Dietary supplements are not allowed to make claims to say that they treat disease, cure disease, or prevent disease. So what are they allowed to do? They're allowed to talk about energy, immunity, um, brain boosting, this pill will improve your vigor, read between parentheses your sex life, uh, all manner of claims. 
And therein lies some problems. Before I go into that any further, I would say there are some supplements that are of absolute proven value, and I certainly support the ability to readily obtain them. That's calcium and vitamin D3 for your bones. It's fish oil, omega, omega-3 for cardiovascular health. It's melatonin to help your sleep. And uh, so there are some products here of, I'm going to say, proven value and proven safety. By the way, you take any one of those in excess quantities, you can get into some trouble. So there is this issue of dosing, taking the right amount for the right reason. But so that's simply an endorsement of some supplements. By the way, vitamins are supplements, and I'm not going to get into that very deeply. All many, many physicians and most seniors, I happen to know from surveying, take multivitamins. I don't have a real bone to pick there. How do you like that? <laughs> Except for one thing, you should not take excess amounts. And some of the megavitamins can be a problem. Overdosing on vitamin A and vitamin E actually increases cancer rates. So you need to be sure that doesn't it isn't five and 10 times the recommended daily dose. Some megavitamins fall into that category of what I would say near toxicity. But normally, I don't have a bone to pick, as I said, about vitamins. My biggest problem, my biggest problem of all is, well, several fold. Ron and you and I, I think, talked a little bit about this. I'm, I'm big on evidence. I'd like to know what I'm doing and taking is in fact helpful to my health and to uh, and to know that it's uh, relatively safe that I'm not going to be harmed by it and that requires some data and I would just say in general many maybe most of dietary supplements don't have much data about how well they work or how toxic they can be that's a problem. It's not just aesthetics, by the way. It's it's a real world problem. I want to back up a little bit. Remember, I talked about a, an aisle in a drugstore. The dietary supplement industry is a $40 billion a year industry. There are about 50,000 different products on the market, some of them overlapping. So and we do know something on the order of 20 to 30% of seniors of all socioeconomic classes take dietary supplements beyond multivitamins. So using an epidemiologic term, the use of, of dietary supplements is highly prevalent. Let me pause there and ask you, Ron, what would you like me to address with that as an introduction? Well, there, there are all kinds of questions that come to mind. But first of all, I, I think one of the things that, that we share is this concern about, uh, I, it was a concern I've always had. I don't take much in the way of prescription medications, but if I do, I have to go to a pharmacist with a prescription. I get the specific quantity. It always bothered me that I could take could get, you know, like 50 
different supplements go up rather than go to the pharmacist, go to the checkout clerk who uh, has no training in this at all and just be able to, to do something uh, with them that I think is appropriate. You know, I, I again, I've had physicians who have recommended certain kinds of things. And I know, as you know, my history with the headache center, and there are certain vitamins that, that, that have been scientifically proven. There's B2, uh, magnesium, CoQ10, to a certain extent, uh, although the evidence isn't as strong, Boswellia, but, and those have been recommended. But again, I, I am concerned about that area. Uh, but the other thing, when we talk about safety, I've always tried to look at, you know, are there, uh, some of them have a number of uh, certifying bodies, or I don't know if certifying is the right thing. But when when they have these, you know, little badges on there that says, what, what does that mean? You know, in, in other words, if you're going to take the supplement, I've always assumed you, you want to have some some certainty that it's not going to harm you. Okay, well, the little badge or the little medallion, uh, the most common one and one I have respect for is USP, which is U.S. Pharmacopeia. It is an entity, a quasi-governmental entity, it's actually private, which looks at uh, various chemicals, including, by the way, prescription drugs, and defines what they are and how to test for them. In the case of dietary supplements, um, USP verification, which I have time for, addresses one of my biggest concerns about dietary supplements. Many, maybe most dietary supplements have a problem with good manufacturing practices. Are they manufactured, whether that's grinding up leaves or or, or making a powder in a standardized, reproducible way so that the dose you get doesn't vary from pill to pill, bottle to bottle. And U.S. Pharmacopeia says, if the bottle says calcium 400 milligrams and D3, that's vitamin D, 400 or 600 or 800 units, they will verify, they will take those pills and verify that that's indeed the case. Moreover, and more importantly, they'll, or equally importantly, they'll look at the manufacturing process and ask, do you have protocols for doing this? And how do you do quality control testing? This is for herbs now, dietary supplements. And how do you know there's no contaminants in there? And then most importantly, and I really applaud this, they take stuff off the shelf from time to time and look at it independent of what the manufacturer says for this issue of quality. If you go down the aisle, many, perhaps most dietary supplements do not have that kind of imprimatur on it, that kind of statement of purity. And that bothers me a lot because if you don't get the dose that you expect to get, if it varies from day to day, bottle to bottle, pill to pill, that's a problem. Because all of these things, if they work, they work based on dose. There's an optimal dose or a dose range. It's not 
you know, I could say this about foods. If if you go out there and eat two pounds of rice in a one, you know, one swoop, that may be uncomfortable for you. You may have a few side effects. And that's true of, of dietary supplements as well. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. So my concerns, first of all, I I applaud the notion that people can take a dietary supplement and feel better. There's some merit in that. If you take some, if you eat something that upsets your stomach, then you'll know maybe to avoid that. So the personal experience counts. Access to it counts. Um, relative price counts. I get that, and I get. It's not like I'm against it. On the other hand, I worry about purity. We just talked about that. I worry when it says this herb will improve your immune system and boost your thinking. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, those aren't, by the way, disease claims. They're functional claims. And I want to know what's it based on. And the answer typically is testimonials. If it's testimonials over centuries, then it goes back to Chinese and Indian and other Native American cure-alls, home remedies. Some of those are, are, are important to know about. Aspirin comes from the bark of a tree. But most of it is sort of outmoded because when you put it to the test in a scientific sense, other than what's called placebo effect, makes you feel better doing something about it, there's an absence of evidence. Um, so that's of concern. But even greater because of my personal concerns is have you tested it in enough people and done observations to see if there are side effects? If you take too much aspirin, you can get an ulcer. You can have increased bleeding. So the day of take two aspirin and call me in the morning may not always be a good good advice. So aspirins, by the way, are not a dietary supplement. They are a drug, they're a, but they're an over-the-counter drug. So that's, I don't want to get these two mixed up. But we could talk about any of these uh, that, we've, that have just been mentioned. The other thing I'd say, I remember I've been, a, I've been out there in the, in the trenches, is when a patient comes in and says, doctor, I just don't have enough energy. I, you know, one would like to think that the doctor will follow Ron Kaiser's advice. How much, how, what's your diet like? Are you getting enough exercise? Are you seeing people? Are you lonesome? Are you shut away? Those are all things that have something to do with energy. On the other hand, the doctors likely also say, maybe you should take a multivitamin. Or maybe your friend, or maybe you hear it from my friend or a friend who says, you know, I took this turmeric and by God, I had more energy. So that's, we'll call that an anecdote and you might try it. Well, I think, uh, I, I think the issue is, uh, uh, or one of the, the serious concerns is I think that this whole industry to a certain extent reflects passivity in the way that you deal with things. It's it's much easier to swallow a pill than it is to go out and exercise or, you know. I agree. I totally agree. 
I, I really think that it one of my concerns is the promotion of passivity. But while you were talking, it made me think of something. If I uh, eat an apple, I mean, it hasn't gone through, I mean, it's gone through some kind of uh, a process, but it hasn't been examined by the FDA or whatever. Uh, so if something is a natural substance, a plant that's either been ground up and, and not altered a whole lot, is natural uh, at the very least safe as opposed to uh, whether it's going to do any good or not? But is it, is it, if it says natural, does that mean it's safe? Yeah, I think there is a general belief out there that if it's natural, it's safe because it comes from nature. There's also uh, the other flip side of that is well, you know, all these prescriptions and all these drugs that the this huge pharmaceutical industry is a profit-making machine and they're artificial chemicals, I'd much rather take something natural. I think that's a component of that, and I understand that. On the other hand, because it's natural does not mean it's necessarily safe. For example, uh, foxglove is a material from a plant that is a plant, but it also contains and is the origin of digitalis, a heart drug. Uh, if you take, if you chew, if you grind up foxglove, it's poison. Uh, it can make, it can kill you, li quite literally. And so, because it's natural, doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, it's safe. On the other hand, most natural substances probably are. That apple you described is a good thing. It's bad away. And so are green vegetables and the like. And as you started out, if you take a good normal diet and don't have some underlying disease, you probably don't need vitamins either because you get that in a good balanced diet. And so a good balanced diet is full of natural foods. On the other hand, by the way, if some of those food is not adequately washed, apples are one of them, you may be taking a little insecticide and a little pesticide in. And so that's not so great either. So, you know, it's not an absolute, uh, I guess I'd say. That's scary enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that COVID has kind of maybe changed the equation a little bit, but I do remember before that was the constant fear, we had the common cold. And every winter, I would uh, hear things like, you know, take uh, mega doses of vitamin C or uh, echinacea is one I, I know that there's some things that uh, I know a cold is uh, very, the, the best advice if it was a virus was to just kind of wait it out that you're not going to impact yeah. on it but yeah uh, what are your thoughts on uh on, you know vitamin yeah. c echinacea things that have you know because colds are not fun things to have as i said i think covid has kind of caused some of us to forget that that there are such things out there as common yeah. well for the common cold <laughs> there's not a cure for it sorry gang uh you can prevent influenza with a vaccine these days, you can lower your risk from COVID-19, and there are some drugs to treat it. The reality is that what you treat when you get a common cold is the symptoms. And the symptoms, of course, are nasal congestion and cough and fever. So that sounds like 
go over to the over-the-counter OTC aisle and get a decongestant. I will tell you that one of the areas where good scientific studies have been done is vitamin C, zinc, and echinacea. All three do not work for the common cold. They do not work for improving your immune system, and they do not work for curing or preventing the common cold. That's categorical, flat-footed, absolute statement. There's good data on that in contrast to many things in the area of dietary supplements. That's a pretty definite statement. Now, I mean, this has been fascinating, but we have to kind of come to a conclusion soon. So I'm I'm wondering what what sources of information are there out there for people who don't read scientific journals or or can't process the information even if they had access to it? I mean, many of us are not, you know, schooled in that thing, but yeah. uh, in that type of thing. But what what sources of information are there to help people sort out their questions? It's a very good question. And what you've been hearing me say is that I think that the average individual should get as much information as they can about what they do and what they don't do. And the best source by far is an entity called Medline Plus. The plus is very important, by the way, because normal Medline is geared toward doctors and scientists, and you'll get research papers. That's not what the average person wants to read. It's Medline Plus. You just put that in your search browser, and up will come a category of health topics and a category called dietary supplements and drugs. So you can plug in your turmeric, and you will get a a consumer-based perhaps oversimplified version of what turmeric is, happens to be a a derivative of the ginger plant, been used for centuries. Claims for turmeric are, again, energy, headache, diet, immune system, sex life, you name it. And I can tell you that what you'll find is a, a listing that says, yeah, it's been used for all these things. There's a, less, a, a great lack of evidence, so which is a way of saying we don't know with certainty whether it works or and or whether it's safe. On the other hand, in other areas, as we've talked about melatonin, you'll see it'll say this does promote sleep taken an hour before. Probably the right dose is on the order of three or one milligram, not five or ten as sold. So there's very, very good advice in Medline Plus. It's the one place I send patients and students in my classes to look at. Do not read unsorted Google and Facebook, either testimonials for or against. You'll be very confused. And by the way, be sure and look at when you look at Google, is it an ad and a sponsored product? Try Pravagen, by the way. Do I think Pravagen improves memory, cognition? By the way, those are not disease terms. 
Do I think that made from a natural substance jellyfish, by the way, doesn't get absorbed in the stomach, it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, works? No, it does not. And FDA and FTC have been after the manufacturer for years uh, and $130 million a year in profit will buy you a lot of lawyers and will allow you to do direct consumer advertising. Sorry about that. Boosting brain function and the like, those sorts of claims are a problem. The other place you can look other than Medline Plus is Mayo Clinic and almost anything that comes out of NIH. There is a National Center for uh, Complementary Medications or Alternate uh, Medications. I'm not fond of their work, by the way, because I don't think they do a lot of clinical trials, but they have evaluated the impact of prayer and meditation and a number of things that are kind of interesting. So just two sources. That's all I can tell you about that in terms of where to go to get. And of course, the third source is talk to your doctor, just like the ads on television say. And that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> Those would be more reliable sources than TV commercials, I take it, than Headline Plus, Mayo Clinic. And, and we'll have that in the show notes so people can yeah. uh, pursue I, that. Uh, yeah. and I guess I'd like to close by asking, number one, uh, are there any questions I should have asked but didn't? Uh, and what takeaways should our listeners take from this? I, mm. I, there are lots of them, but just in terms of if you can kind of summarize it from what, what you'd like the educated listener to uh, to know about supplements and their potential risks and potential benefits. Yeah, there are questions you could have asked that uh, I think um, uh, you could have asked, well, what about TV celebrities who make recommendations, let's say for weight loss products, there's a big category. Or how about some, I'm going to say rebellious sorts who say, you know, COVID vaccine is, uh, COVID's a hoax and the vaccine doesn't work. There are a whole raft of issues we haven't gone into is all I'm saying. We have to have I a do. session for that. I, I I do think there are a couple of take-home messages that I hope I've conveyed and would be helpful to the listenership. The first is there are a few supplements that are really worthwhile considering taking that I have no problem with, and I've, I've mentioned them. Fish oil, melatonin. I didn't mention chondroitin glucosamine for arthritis, which has some studies that show it has some benefit not absolute, but not bad, is certainly is probably as good as ibuprofen. I don't want to go into the specifics. So just to say there are some supplements that are worthwhile taking, and there are some multivitamins and vitamins, calcium and vitamin D that are worthwhile taking. Secondly, that we often for the rest are missing good information. And there's a whole set of questions about why that is. Why don't we have that information? And the answer in part is, here's the other thing. 
is these are hard to study because the products vary. They vary in the bottle one to the other. They're being taken for many different reasons. And there's the when there have been small trials that don't seem to show much effect, there's not much motive in doing bigger studies and larger scientific studies. So that's just a shortcoming, and people need to be aware of that. You can look up information. That's a third point now. You can look up information and get good information from Medline Plus, Mail Clinic, and NIH. I would say also quality is important and looking for the USP stamp of approval is of some considerable value. That doesn't mean, by the way, well, and I should tell you as an aside quickly, uh, there have been lawsuits against the likes of Walgreens, CVS, and and the like for their own branded products and for other dietary supplements that showed that what they said in the bottle wasn't what was in the bottle uh, or the amount that was in the bottle and the like. Uh, so that's fraud, frankly. Lastly, I, we haven't talked about it. Dietary supplements can interact with your regular medicines. So that's another reason for caution and for looking up whether there is drug interaction and checking with your physician. So those are the main things I would like to leave people with. Know what you're doing. Be, pick, pick these products out carefully. Be a little skeptical and, and self-educating. I, I like what you said, Ron. Don't think that these dietary supplements are going to replace healthy habits for sure. Exercise, good diet, and the like. And talk talk to your doctor, I think, is uh, really mm -hmm. important because he or she knows what else you're taking that, that could interact. Yeah. And uh, I guess my only other really quick question is, just as you were talking, I mean, is there a logical reason why this industry isn't regulated? <laughs> I mean, you know, is it is it just yeah. too complex a deal? Are people fighting? I, I, why would uh, why wouldn't people want it to be regulated? <laughs> There's a history here, of course, and the history is that Congress has tended to be very pro-industry in a lot of ways and anti-regulation. In 1938, when the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act was passed, was the first time when drugs had to, drugs, prescription drugs, had to be shown to be safe. That was mostly based on animal testing. And one of the congressmen, happens to be, his name happened to be Royal Copeland, was a homeopath, and he explicitly said, this law has no um, will not regulate uh, dietary supplements. And that's why they're not regulated. Okay, so just like so many other things, it's politics. Anyway, Jerry, I really, really appreciate the education we got. I, I Probably a whole lot more, and I can't promise you that I won't ask you back. Uh, but I really learned a lot. I'm sure that our listeners have. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your time with us and, and giving us such a complete course on, on a subject that some of us are probably too casual about. Because, again, you can go to the, the store, go to a shelf, get anything you want, not 
clear through a pharmacist and so on. And uh, this has been a real, real enlightenment. And thanks for sharing that wisdom and helping our listeners to become better educated and better versions of themselves. And so uh, thank you for having me. Sure. Well, I really enjoyed it and learned a lot. And so this uh, brings to conclusion another episode of the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. Please tell your friends about it, download the podcast, rate it, review it uh, on your favorite podcast listening platform, and be back next week when we have another really interesting guest. Maybe hard to top Jerry's presentation, but we'll become better versions of ourselves in some area next week. Until then, remember that the pandemic is still on. Uh, you know, be careful out there and please visit the website, the mental health gym. And again, because we're still in, in the pandemic, just stay safe, stay positive, but stay safe. See you next week.